And welcome to another episode of Tin Foil Hat. We had a little bit of uh, some technical difficulties, but we are back on track. Thank you guys for joining us. We appreciate all your love and support. Uh, the show's growing, and it's all because of you guys helping spread the word, man. A lot of amazing things are going on at this show, and we appreciate you. Um, join me as always is XG and the place to be. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, dog. You guys like XG? Everybody likes XG. You like him so much? Bam! New Jersey! He's coming! That's right. Bang. March 16th. We sold out the first show. The second show's there, dude. Tiffany ba- Grill and L House. Yeah, Tiff Grill and L House. Let, I'll tell you what I'm not playing is the Chuckle Shack. <laughs> so we got that. Boom, it's there. XG's coming out. We put it together. We're making it happen. So you can see XG crush for 10 minutes, right? You got 10 minutes. You got yeah. 10 yet? Yeah, I'll figure okay. it out. We're right. good. What I always love is watching Mexican comedians go to like the Northeast or Canada when they've never met a Mexican and see how that works out. So it's going to be fun to see XG on the road using this Kung Fu in front of the fans. So go grab those tickets. All the links are available on samtripoli.com. Okay, uh, this show is made possible by a couple people who uh, help us out. Uh, our sponsors, I want to thank, uh, check out cavemancoffee.com. Caveman Coffee, for all your coffee needs. Uh, you like working out? You like you like uh, keeping it natural? Caveman Coffee does that, okay? Are you tired of big corporations doing it? Help out the little man, dude. They got everything. They got uh, nitro. They got uh, uh, teas. They got everything. Anything that's legal, they got it. And they're our good friends. They're sponsoring the show. They sponsor Comedy Chaos as well. Uh, just use the promo code TINFOILHAT and they'll hook you up and get super caffeinated. Uh, everybody thinks I'm coming down with either MS or Parkinson's or some shit. No, I'm coming in here fucking gacked out of my mind on coffee. I drink so much coffee. My girlfriend's it's like, like you, you snort it. Yeah, I, dude, I'm waiting for them to do snortable Red Bull. I'd love to do that. As a guy who used to love Coke, I'd love to snort some Red Bull, dude. Uh, my girlfriend asked me today, you want more coffee? I go, you never have to ask that again. The answer is, yes, I want more coffee. I don't care if I'm about to go to bed. Give me some coffee, dog. I am a coffee-holic, okay? So I love Caveman Coffee, and I appreciate them sponsoring the show. Also, as well, I want to give it up for our new sponsors who just started this week, our good friends at abx.org. That's Absolute Extracts, one of the premier weed companies in the world, man. In the world. They're literally the Nike and the Adidas of 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 weed. They're going next level. Look at that. Right here, man. Where'd you get that? My show. Holla at your boy. That's what we do. They load it up. That's it. Look. Look at that, Look Aaron. At that. He just smoked weed in the studio. Guess what you can do about <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing, Aaron. Yeah, but they show you how to do it on the website. How to and everything. Since it's, it's great, legal dude. now. Yeah. They got everything, Fuck. dude. They got fucking... They got like ointments for your vagina. Dude. You just rub it on there, do a little DJing, and it's just a happy vagina. You right? What do you what do you do when you get high? Bam, you want to eat. Ooh, right? Tell them about the new shit they had with Lagunitas, the little the beer. Yeah, they got weed, weed beer, beer, dude. They got weed beer. Now you can get drunk and high. That's amazing to me. Yeah, it's called high hef high high I don't even know. Yeah. High high if hops or some yeah. shit like that. And it, high there hops? We go. Yeah. Hi-fi. It's hi-fi. We don't even know. The point is it's magic. I'm not trying to win a spelling bee here. I'm trying to promote a product that makes everybody feel better about themselves. 
Get high on weed, dude. And they got weed water, bro. My buddy was trying to do that a long time ago. Weed water. But I'm like, we already have it. It's bong water. And boom, they made that taste good. Old bong water tastes like robot asshole, right? But not this <laughs> stuff. It's good. That's what you need, right? So go to our friends. Go to abx.org. Use the promo code uh, tinfoilhat. And they will take care of you there, dude. They will take. They got everything. Gel caps. Uh, ABX cartridges, beverage lines, you name it, dude. These guys got down to a science, right? You got to support these guys and not the Monsanto's assholes who are going to be loading up on, like, Monsanto weed. They have cannabis strips. They have cannabis strips. They have, they have anal bleaching. They have cannabis anal bleaching, dude. Are you tired of your brown eye? You want to turn a blue eye? Bam! ABX.org. Get that shit. Hook it up. Drops. I mean, dude, it's next line. It's so amazing. It's so amazing what they're doing, dude. It's a wonderful time to be alive. And uh, that, okay, we got t-shirts as well. Yeah, we got them right here. The the Raiders one. The Raiders the one. Sam Go Raiders. to uh, tinfoilhatpodcast.com. Every month, we put a brand new shirt up. Oh, we got hoodies now. We got everything, dude. I did. Wait till you guys see the new shirt coming out. The fucking Suicided Squad. You guys are going to love that shit. It's going to be next level. So we're doing that. Uh, go, to, go to that. And what else we got to push? Patreon as well. It's killing it. The children can't stop talking about the number one internet show, which is Conspiracy Now. Conspiracy Now, it's on the Patreon. It's me basically interviewing uh, your favorite conspiracy theorists or comics who are into conspiracies. And it's super janky. And it's down in the belly room. The be- the uh, the basement of the comedy store. So that's there. And what else we got? Your new podcast, man. The oh, the, the thirty the the quick one. It's yeah. quick. It's quick. It's you, like have you listened it's like to if it? You're taking a shit. Yeah. Just a quick one. The new podcast. Kids can't. Another kids can't stop talking about this. Is by Chad. It's basically my conversation with Chad Zumach on the forum and see how long I can go before I hang up on this crazy guy. Dude, Chad- I would have hang up on you. Every time he hangs up on you, I was like, I would have done that at least five minutes ago. Yeah. I stopped. I'm like, oh, dude, he pushes Chad has it. Chad has been in L.A. for nine days. He's already pissed off Neil Brennan. Neil Brennan sent him a text going, You're, I'm done with you. Nine days he's been here. Nine days. He has not gotten to two weeks, and he's still, he's still, he's burning bridges already. So it's a great podcast. Let's do Put it by, Chad. I'm trying to get it on uh, Google Play. I, it's been a struggle so far. Enough of that. I'm already fucking 10 minutes into this shit, and I'm already yelling at people. Uh, super excited to have our next guest on. He uh, appeared on our show, and everybody couldn't stop talking about it. They loved it. You know, uh, th- People said, this is how you know Sam's not a gay Jew shill. He had his next guest on. He spits the truth, and I appreciate that. But it's amazing <laughs> how I get no credit. I'll, I'll do one thing. Everyone's like, greatest show ever. Put out the next one. This show's going to shit. Yeah. Everyone. So I have to have this guest on at least five times a month to keep anybody uh, from believing this is a real show. Please welcome back to the show. Uh, Ryan Dawson, everybody. How are you, dude? I'm good. You know, back when you were having technical dick difficulties you channeled your inner bill riley i was wondering if you could do that for everybody again there's no words here fuck it (laughs) we'll go live we couldn't get the 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 track to play i gotta take care of that yeah occasionally it gets janky here and i get caveman fast i will hulk (laughs) smash shit in two seconds i mean it's the coffee yeah caveman man yeah i got you going crazy man hey do you not want to do meth good don't do it drink caveman coffee it's legal, dog. I just threw the campaign right there. Fuck it. 
Right, Ryan. Ryan, what is the weed situation in Japan? Uh, it's very much anti-weed here. What's your thoughts yeah. on that? I'm all for legalization. I, I was just thinking, like, I don't personally do drugs, but I don't see why any adult can't have a plant if they want to. And uh, like, my sister grows marijuana in Colorado, so. Yeah, I, I was thinking when and you're during your advertisement, I said, wow, they legalized weed and the free market has spit out all these products. And, you know, I just thought that was wonderful. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I love that you're a conspiracy theorist in Japan and your sister is a weed grower. Like, your parents did a great job, dude. They did a great job. They put out some wonderful people. <laughs> and my twin brother does comedy. Oh, that's great. So. Where, is, where is he? <clears throat> North Carolina. Well, if you ever out here, let's get him on the show. Let's promote that shit. We got the Dude, Dawson. You should, actually, you should. I got. You should have him on the show, if not for comedy, but to talk about the lost colony someday. He's an archaeologist too. Done. He does comedy Done. for money. Let's he gets a degree. He's really smart. <laughs> Can do archaeology, but yeah. You know. Chick, yeah. Chicks don't want to fuck dudes who know where fossils are. That's what I've learned, right? <laughs> you got to make that money. They want to go, ha-ha, or they want to... It's a sad day that... What's his name? Telesto? Who's that guy who basically Ooh. plays like... the? Oh, fo- Tiesto. Yeah, that guy? Yeah, Tiesto. And he DJ. plays the Coliseum. And you know all he's doing is just play next song, play next song. But he's always looking weird. And it's all because white chicks like ecstasy and just want to numb out, right? Yeah, that's what it's all about, man. Have you been to one? I, dude, you ever been yeah, to like a crazy... Dude, I stopped going to raves when people started thinking I was security and asking <laughs> me where the bathroom was. That's my. That's when my party days were done. I'm like, no, nope, I'm out. I Everyone don't know. thinks I'm the fucking popo. Wait up, did you wear the candy? No. You didn't wear all those little, all that shit people wear? No, dude. Uh, I said, I can't see you with that, I can't see you with that candy and then that plur where you no, hold each other's No, none of that hand. shit, dude. We just hung out, <laughs> talked about God and a butt. That's what we used to do back in the day. Um, Ryan, I'm glad you're here. Uh, when I do these episodes, I want to do episodes that counter the mainstream media narrative. And one thing we've been seeing a lot about is, uh, if we pull out of all these places, ISIS is going to take over. And what we, what we don't real, what these people freak out about that don't realize is that we are the, we pay the checks of ISIS, we there on the payroll, and we created them, and we are, uh, and w- they wouldn't grow if we stopped paying their bills, and that's mm-hmm. why I want to get into. So whenever anybody brings this up, I want them to be able to share the show and go, "Dude, ISIS isn't the problem. Us funding terrorism is the problem," and uh, we'll get into that. So uh, Ryan, where do we start with this? Can we start early? Uh, obviously, everybody knows Al-Qaeda, that we basically funded Al-Qaeda, created Al-Qaeda as a counter to uh, Russia in Afghanistan. We created them so that we would draw Russia in and they would weaken the union. Uh, that's what we've been told, that we would weaken the, uh, the Russians' military, the government, because they would be stuck in Afghanistan. Uh, your thoughts on that? Yeah, it started slightly earlier than that with this clique called the Safari Club. After the Yom Kippur War in 1973, uh, the U.S. realized, okay, the the Arab states, they don't have us technologically. They don't have the military. But what they did have was the oil weapon. And OPEC proved that by putting the U.S. in gas lines for withholding oil because they were – 
uh, angry that the uh, U.S. sided with the Israelis in Yom Kippur. Nixon gave them so more weapons than what the Israelis had themselves. So to break up that cartel, George Bush Sr., who was the DCI of the CIA, decided to make a relationship with the Saudis because they had the largest uh, oil reserves in the world uh, until Venezuela surpassed them, but certainly in the Middle East. So if you have Saudi Arabia, then the OPEC oil weapon doesn't work. So he brought them into the fray. There was already a... Uh, there was already a contingency between uh, Israel and the United States ever since the Kennedy assassination. And I'll skip that can of worms. So you That's, had Saudi Arabia, Israel, We're going to do that episode, States. Ryan. We're going to do that episode. We, that. we will. I'll t- I don't mind talking about it, but I'll never get to Syria if I get into jail. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get into that because I love your discussion as well. Uh, but keep going on. So we got this, uh, this. So you got this shared intelligence nexus, and they really needed that. They really needed linguists. The CIA, without the Israelis and without the Saudis, they really don't have a lot of Arabic and Farsi speakers. Uh, the Saudis did, though, and the Saudi royal family is really what we're talking about. It's uh, very, very, very centralized in Saudi Arabia. A lot of the people can't stand it, but they are have a theocracy, a Sunni theocracy, and. A lot of their diaspora is who who flooded into Afghanistan to join the fight uh, and join the Mujahideen. And a little um, the foreign fighter click within the Mujahideen is what we started calling the base, like the database of foreign fighters, which is Al Qaeda. And back then, uh, by now Reagan was president in 1980, they'll have uh, Reagan's freedom fighters is what they used to call them when they're fighting the Soviets. But they're making a Frankenstein because they're allowing these uh, madrasas that are preaching this very fundamentalist Wahhabi Islam under the Sunni sect. Not all Sunnis. It's like a subgroup of Sunnis, kind of like evangelicals or, or something or right. crusaders. Like they're the yeah. extremes of them, like the more extreme hardliners. Mm-hmm. But most importantly, it has a large financial backbone through several different banks for money laundering and uh, gun smuggling that intelligence agencies provided them with. They didn't do this organically or by themselves. They're getting money and weapons from states. They were not getting it from the governments, not the Knesset or the Congress or any, that were approving this. It's This is all done underground by the CIA, by the Mossad, by the GID, which is like the Saudi CIA. That's who started this. And uh, BCCI was one of the central banking hubs that they used to launder money around these foreign fighters. And uh, then they were angry uh, during the first Gulf War when the U.S. occupied the Holy Lands in Saudi Arabia. Uh, babies on incubators. Iraq One happens. Y'all know all that. We'll just fast forward on but, up. But I want to get into the fact that re- you said something very interesting, and that is like that the CIA is basically the ones who work with Mossad, which is Israeli version of the CIA, to uh, funnel these these guns and basically what i'm coming to grips with is that the cia is is not really united states intelligence the cia is more like the basically the uh, the law enforcement arm of the the international bankers and the and the un basically they 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 do the work or, or, or the bidding of uh people outside our country and our government what what some people would call the the shadow government, right? Yes, there's a. Uh, it used to be the CIA originally is from the OSS out of World War Two, and they're, and they're supposed to be kept in check because the government holds the purse strings. They can withhold money from the CIA, but 
with the, the CIA found another way to make money for all their off the book operations, and that's the global narcotics trade. Yes. And so when they say the war on drugs, that's BS because the CIA is the greatest facilitator of the flow of drugs on Earth, bigger for than any sure. gang. For sure, for sure, man. And that's I mean they've been caught with planes full of cocaine and. And just, I guess I skipped this. There's this thing in the 80s called Iran-Contra, and that's yeah. where Israel and the United States illegally sent contraband to Iran. And at the same time, they also allowed narcotics flow from Nigeria, from, from Nicaragua and Colombia uh, to places like uh, New Orleans and Los Angeles and, and Miami. And Arkansas was a big one. Arkansas. No, everybody thought it was Well, I mean, Arkansas through. is where they trained the pilots uh, to deliver all this stuff. And yeah. uh, <clears throat> Bill Clinton was a willing participant in that. That is a long can of worms as well. We can do a show on Rand Contra anytime as well. So, But the point is, this one of the most important uh, trades is opium. I used to call Vietnam the war of helicopters and heroin. And Afghanistan is where a lot of opium is located. And so the reason we've had this little tertiary force in Afghanistan is just to have for, what, 18 years now, uh, is to facilitate the flow of opium. The Taliban yes. turned it off. Yes, dude. People don't realize that. The Taliban burnt the poppy fields. And that's why they Look at the flow. You can look at the graph. In 2001, July, there's ba almost you know minimal. They can't stop all of it, but it dropped 99%. Now, and the CIA didn't like that. But they can't openly come out and say, hey, wait, you, yeah. we're supposed to sell drugs. They can't say that publicly. Well, dude, so you also look at Obama, and that story was crushed hard. But there's there's some belief that Obama pulled the DEA off of investigating whether Hezbollah was selling drugs in the United States and shipping the car, the money back in cars, which is my whole theory on is that Nicolas Cage is trying to warn us of everything in his <laughs> movies. Uh, Gone in 60 Seconds is Time about... Time Traveler. Yeah, no, it's about how fucking... How they're stealing cars, stealing cars. Well, what happened was the Awan brothers, that scandal went fucking away, were basically money laundering through these cars. They would sell these oh, cars the car. back to the Middle East, and they were full of cash that they believe Hezbollah was making off of selling drugs in the United States, and that Obama pulled them off of, uh, of, of the DA from investigating them. And nobody ever talks about that. You know? It's crazy. Yeah, so let's go back to these guys. We're in Afghanistan. The mafia actually did it that from Detroit to New York. They would pack cars with heroin and send them back with, uh, with cash. Yeah. That was a real that was a real scandal with the Giovesi syndicate. Hezbollah really doesn't have the power to protract all the way across the the sea and sell drugs. They make a lot of their money uh, through religious donations and so forth. I mean, they <clears throat> that's a, that's another side tangent too because I got to get into Syria. So we we've established basically these intelligence agencies that act quasi independently or at least with plausible deniability, so the government can say, "Oh, they did that. It's not us." There's a layer of if distance, so they're not held responsible for everything the CIA or the Mossad or KGB or et cetera does. And they allow this. And a lot of presidents kind of look the other way or feign ignorance. Oh, I didn't know that. Or that's all the CIA. And the CIA, of course, is able to fund this without having to go to Congress because they have this giant global narcotics budget. That's why the war on drugs is so important. Not just to so, you know, for why I support drug legalization is because one, I, I think the black markets make it worse. But I understand that the the biggest purveyor of violence and terrorism, the way they finance that is through the illegal drug trade, and you would yank the rug right out from under that if you legalized it. For <laughs> sure, dude. 
for <coughs> sure, man. I mean, like, dude, all the money it's made. That's my opinion on prostitution, dude. You would clean all that up. There'd be very little sex trafficking if it was something that you could just get go down get licensed for. You take the danger out of it. But there's so much money in the illegal trafficking of it that they would never do that. The people who are trafficking it are the ones who are supposed to be fighting it. You know, like DynCorp has been busted doing a lot of this shit. They're right on in it, man. Like they DynCorp's been- raped its own employees. Drugged and raped. I mean, look up that story. DynCorp employees raped. Yeah. Uh, and that's, you know... And that's this all happens as an outgrowth of war. I mean, the the rise of gambling, prostitution and narcotics across uh, Europe and Japan was a result of World War Two. You had cities blown up and, you know, decimated economies. And what do people do who are completely desperate? Well, guys sell drugs and girls sell their bodies. So you, you just quadrupled the market for prostitutes and drugs. And if you keep it illegal, you end up with the sex slavery and the. And the exploitation when you legalize that's something japan is does have legal prostitution and it, they had to find some way you get a lot of these desperate chinese girls this is when they're fleeing communist china don't speak the language going wherever and they were selling their bodies the only way they felt they could clean that up or the only successful way is they just went ahead and legalized it and and were able so that people could get help and not have the threat of jail and that's better than uh, making it go underground. Yeah, so. it's ridiculous. If the, everybody loves capitalism, well, what's more capitalistic than a guy with five hundred bucks and a girl needing to pay her rent? And that's uh, supply meets demand. And if you, <laughs> you know, if you have, a, and the whole argument is like married guys cheating on their wives. Fine, but I mean, adultery isn't illegal, right? I mean, it might be in a couple weirdo states, but for the most part, it's not illegal. I mean, you can't even in California you can't even use it as a reason to uh to get, a divorce. get divorced. Yeah, you know. Well, a lot of them aren't trying to pay their rent. A lot of prostitutes here are very wealthy. They just the reason they do it is because they would rather make a few hundred dollars in a few minutes than they would sit in a cubicle all day. Yeah, for sure. And it's very hard for a young girl to stop prostitution. She could work one day or two days a week and and make enough money and not have to do anything the rest of the week. And she gets and laid. They, and it's a choice. And if they want to do that and they don't mind, and they get to choose who they, you know, mess with. So, I, you know, I'm all for laws off my body, hands off my wallet. You know, that's, I'm a libertarian. Yeah. You don't have to endorse an activity to allow other people to do it. Yeah, you know, it's so. your options. You know, that's the options that are out there. Um, so we're back to the uh, drug war and where that is at. Now, uh, we are in Iraq. And correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, the start of the birth of ISIS comes from when Brimmer or John, is it Brimmer? John Brimmer yeah. III uh, goes in and... I don't know if this is a colossal mistake or a calculated move, but he basically gets rid of a calculated move, gets rid of the entire Sunni. Is it Sunni uh, uh, government that is controlling Iraq? And when they say you overthrow, when you when you do regime change, you only cut the head off. You leave the the body there, so the structure's there, and you install uh, a new guy as the head of the beast and. Brimmer didn't do that. He got rid of the entire thing, and that created chaos. Well, he fired the Republican Guard and stopped paying their salaries. So these trained professional soldiers become the uh, leadership of the rebellion. And you had al-Qaeda in Iraq. 
uh, which is ISIS. They even were trying to declare an Islamic state in Iraq. And this, you know, this is all from George Bush the Lesser coming in and playing into identity politics in the Middle East and handing Iraq over to the Shia, which is uh, an Iran-backed faction, at the expense of the Sunni and the Kurds. And so this blows up, and this is all predictable, and this is exactly what the Israeli strategy papers wrote about, called uh, Oded Yanan used to write about it, saying they wanted to uh, balkanize Iraq into sectarian infighting. And that's exactly what they did, and this had predictable consequences. So they went in bed with Chalabi, who was a... A, fra- a bank fraudster in Iran, and yeah. and he got Judith Miller and and William Sapphire to write reiterate lies from uh, PNAC and the Lockheed Martin Finance Weekly Standard in order to invade Who Iraq. Who was that we guy? Went over that last time. What? Can you tell and me so a little then bit? You have, a little bit more uh, about that guy. That I mean, like a giant fraud dude. And what we're finding is like these. They just they use these fraud lies to get, and like we don't find out till later how much of a lie this is. This is no different than what's going on with Russian collusion. You know, yep. I mean, we're finding more and more like every part of that story's bullshit. You know, it wasn't even the Russians that gave them that. It was now the Ukrainians that gave them all the fake info uh, for the dossier. Gave Steele the... It was none of it. Everyone goes, nothing in the dossier has been unproven. Nothing's been proven to be true. They haven't proved anything. It's any- all partisan. Like they hear, they hear what they want. And it doesn't evidence be damned. Like there's no Russian collusion or a hacking of our elections. They just can't uh, understand that Hillary Clinton was more than capable of losing that election by herself. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> she stole her own primary. If you can't win your own party, what chance do you have at winning the general? None. And if she only got New York and she only got California, I mean, she got a couple other states, but those are the states that give her the big numbers. It was like, oh, she got blah, blah, blah. Yeah, she won New York and California. And California, we don't even know she really even won it. Like, they mm-hmm. were already some shady shit going on in California. I know it's a, a blue state, so she was going to... Uh, she went anyways, but it doesn't matter. It yeah. couldn't have been her. She fucking... The primary was such a jacking of it, dude. But she ripped off Sanders and... As bad as uh, as Trump is, Hillary would have been a lot worse. And I said the same thing about Obama. As bad as he was, McCain would have been way worse. You know, right, so. right, right. And But they're also, I mean, like, I think McCain was used to get Obama in. You're like, what do you want? Charismatic young black guy or fucking Satan that's walking around <laughs> decaying? Yeah. It's like, that's all done on purpose. These, these they guys- sabotage Ron Paul, for sure. They wouldn't even let him speak sometimes. Like, so... The primaries, yeah, it's voting's about damage control. Yeah, you don't really, very, very rarely do you have someone who you can vote for, and if you can, they're not going to count most of the votes. So, it's very, it's not completely rigged, but there is a lot of shenanigans and cheating going on. That's, that's been the case for many, many decades. That's been forever, dude. You know, and so we go in Iraq, uh, under lies, complete utter bullshit lies put out by Dick Cheney. And his whole crew, and I love how they act like they were just looking for, for uh, you know, weapons of mass destruction. And, they, you know, they just couldn't find it. And Dick Chase said, look more. And it's like, they didn't, Gary Trent, is that his name? The fucking head of these... Or Donald Rumsfeld. We know where they are. They're north, southwest, east, southwest, and north of the yeah. creek. You know? <laughs> and then I just Somewhere watched, around there. I watch people come up with ways to explain why they have, oh, they have an underground network that gets all, 
Dude, mm-hmm. you're lying. Dog. They they have WMDs and and got invaded and didn't use them, right? <laughs> like they just have them so they could get invaded, but they're not going to use them to protect themselves. It makes so, a lot of sense. It's complete bullshit. The, the best lie about WMDs, like post-war, was Judith Miller saying Iraq sent them to Syria. Like Syria is going to go, oh, yeah, these just got your country invaded. We'll hold them for you. you know? <laughs> and just people buy into the bullshit. They'll believe anything about a boogeyman. It doesn't matter. And they don't care how well, wrong it is, too. <clears throat> Three of the central liars were Michael Ledeen of Iran-Contra fame. Paul Wolfowitz of Iran Contra fame. You notice uh, a trend here. Yeah. And uh, and Elliot Abrams, also of Iran Contra fame. And these are the same guys that are saying we should invade Venezuela right now. I, I don't understand how people are not going, no, nah, dude, we just did this. We trusted you and you lied to our faces. Why well, we're is- not going to invade Venezuela. Like It's just John Bolton and them talk. He's another one. Uh, oh, you don't John think Bolton- going, things are going to go down there? We're not going to go into Venezuela. You don't no. think so? Or or we're not going to fuck with them and just bring... I mean, like, word is that we're sending our military... Oh, we've already been fucking with them. That'll ha- that, But I'm, we're not going to do a hot-style military invasion. That won't happen. I think As John Bolton said, we're not going to talk to Korea. We still did. He said... Uh, Why that is that guy still walking Syria, around? But we are. And the Pentagon came out and said, John Bolton doesn't speak for us. John- That's a big backhand to the face. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna get it. The only reason he's there is Sheldon Adelson paid enough money to put him there, but nobody listens to him. I hate John Bolton. He's just an agent of chaos, dude. He's just an agent of chaos. If what you're saying is true, and I have no reason not to believe it, then he's just there to make everybody think it's chaos time. It could be kind of like, well, we put a few crazies in there, so our threats really scared hell out of people when John Bolton says it, but. Uh, the Pentagon, the military brass, and the president don't agree with uh, their national security advisor. So, you know, Venezuela's got enough problems on its own without threats from the outside. But I really don't think we're actually going to invade Venezuela. There is a slight possibility of, of trying to push Colombia into it. But I don't see that one happening. So You, you already can't buy tickets there. You can't fly to Venezuela? Uh, yeah, Expedia and Orbit and Orbit or whatever. Orbits or no more. No more tickets to go there. Kayak then, will take care of you, bro. You want to go oh. to Venezuela? Get on Kayak. Kayak.com. Use the <laughs> promo code TINFOILHAT and go there and get shot. Have a good time. Um, so so we have this thing. Uh, you know, uh, We get rid of uh, the, the Sunni government there. We put in... Shia, which I don't understand. I like. I are, are, do we? Do so we, they had a they had a Baathist government, uh, which you know at first was Reagan had this policy of containing the Shia power in Iran. So he actually supported uh, the Baathist rise and then Saddam Hussein. And then George Bush Jr. reverses this and supports the Shia takeover of Iraq in order to balkanize Iraq. And then they had this thing called the surge, which is where they just paid the Sunni off, which gave them the finances they needed. They already had the guns. And they declared a de facto Islamic state. And the main resistance that was killing U.S. uh, fighters in the occupation was this al-Qaeda in Iraq. So we paid the guys. I want people to know this. I want them to understand. We paid their leadership. We paid for the soldiers... We, I mean, we paid for the terrorist to hurt our, our sons and daughters. We left unguarded weapons caches that they just went and took over. 
And then, but the direct aid comes from Obama. I mean, he was shameless. He gave him the non-lethal aid package, where he's, that's where you get all these white, newly painted, same-year Toyota trucks. That are, Toyota Hilux is, there is a war called the Toyota Wars between Chad and Libya. This isn't just like, oh, it's a pickup truck. Well, actually, that truck is uh, more cost-efficient and mobile than a lot of armed vehicles and tanks. So it's yeah. a very, it's and a weapon of war. And guess who is banging that guy who's selling all of them? Rihanna. Rihanna was banging the guy selling all the terrorists. <laughs> fucking, the, are there Toyota trucks? Oh, yeah. Have you seen the caravans that these fools all mob in in Toyota brand new trucks? Yeah. Which is crazy. It's like, who the all fuck? All Toyota Hilux. Yeah. yeah. Look at that. Yeah. Brand new trucks. All of them. Brand new paint, all the same year. Do they, you think ISIS built those? Yeah. Or bought them? Why would, yeah. anyone, why would you sell it to them? Even if they you're... probably came with every Rihanna song built in <laughs> on it so you could listen to it the whole time. Yeah. Fucking motherfuckers. So, so uh, Bush basically puts in the Shiites. Shiites and Sunnis don't get along. I don't know what the difference is. Is it where Jesus is? It's like something. Well, okay. There's two layers to this. On the superficial layers, there's a the- theological difference about the lineage of Muhammad. And that's just kind of like Catholics and Protestants fighting over whether or not you need a a pope and a hierarchy of bishops or a direct relationship of God. But that's not why they're really fighting. They're fighting the same reasons the Catholics and Protestants really fought, and that's about the uh, religious nepotism, where they only hire from their own tribe. So ah. if the Shia are in charge of government, all the government jobs go to Shia and exclusively. And the same with, you know, back in the day with Catholics and Protestants, they was whether are you going to send the money to Rome or are you going to keep it in England, you know? And so it's about money and it's about jobs. It's about uh, tribal nepotism. Ah. That's that's the real thing. The little differences in like uh, religion are secondary, really. I mean, it started that way, but that isn't it. What they really care about is, well, if you control the government and you're completely tribal, then it's at the expense of everyone else. So there's no civic nationalism. It's all well, Shia for Shia, Sunni for Sunni, Kurds for Kurds. And the Kurdish faction is another group that splintered off. And you got to realize that a lot of these Kurds are refugees from Turkey who was ethnically cleansing Kurds all through the 90s. They pour into Syria and northern Iraq. That's why, how they got there in the first place. And they also have a identitarian philosophy, and they also engage in ethnic nepotism. And the Israelis uh, recognize the Kurds uh, of northern Iraq as a, as a Kurdish state. And because they got 77% of their oil imports from the Kurdish area of Iraq. So when people say the Iraq war is for oil, there was no change in exports and imports of oil to the United States from Iraq. It's a huge change to Israel. They got 77% of all their oil imports in the world from the Kurdish area of Iraq. And this is what they'll try to repeat in Syria. Obama decides, all right, one way to curb the growing Shia influence that wouldn't exist had we not handed Iraq over to them is we're going to bust up their partner in Syria. And they, and they also thought, well, the growing Shia influence is sending weapons to Hezbollah, which is a threat to Israel. Never mind that Israel is also a threat to Lebanon, invaded them a few times. So the corridor for that are these highways that go through Syria. That's and that would be Al Tamp and Dirizor, and then another one in Afrin. They all go to Beirut, which is where the U.S. bases are, or were. They're not in Dirizor anymore, but they were in Rojava, and there's still one in Al Tamp, uh, which they're pulling from. But so they go into Syria and they think, okay, we'll we'll arm the Sunni insurgency, and this is proven by our own DIA document, uh, documents 
the defense intelligence assessment, which is where Michael Flynn worked. Uh, and that's, you know, he'll get caught up and smeared by Russiagate later, right? But this yeah. is the real reason was they were admitted, and Brad Hoff has this on the Levant Report, showing that we were fostering a Salafist principality and that this is what we wanted to topple Assad. They were trying to balkanize Syria and that they knew and saw it coming. There's also a, a uh, discussion with the Secretary of State, John Kerry, at the time, had a hot mic where he's saying, well, we want to get boots on the ground, but Congress won't support it. So the way they got boots on the ground were all these proxy forces. And he's openly saying, you know, they've given them the guns and money. We saw the rise of the Islamic State. We were watching. And that's what they wanted. But they thought that uh, the rise of ISIS would force Assad to negotiate and that he was basically going to be rendered to this little zone around Damascus and they to divide up Syria between other different right. uh, identitarian mean, factions. Word is but Israel... That didn't happen. Israel's already selling land rights to uh to like uh um what is uh Halliburton and all these other people. They're selling rights to a country they don't even have. Yeah. Well, they really boomeranged and you can you can speculate whether this is intentional or just incompetence, but they armed this a lot what Assad had to move his eastern forces around Damascus because a lot of uh, or a lot of what's in the east and northeast is mainly desert. He had to sacrifice that and bring it, bring all his uh, concentrated forces in to save Dara, Homs, Damascus, the populated area of Syria. Be like bringing the Midwest to the east or west coast. It's uh, to save the majority. And then the Kurds, which mainly lived in the northeast, they decided, hey, they moved out of here and they kind of declared it as their own. And the U.S. goes and protects that force. Well, this pisses off the Turks because they don't want a, a Kurdistan just south of Turkey to be able to launch attacks into Turkey because they're already having problems with the PKK and, and Kurdish factions in Turkey. So they start funding this group called Al al-Sham, which was a Muslim Brotherhood group that Turkey and Qatar backed uh, as one of the factions in Syria. You've got ISIS, which uh, is coming over from Iraq, and they're secretly being financed by the UAE, Saudi Arabia, and the United States. And then you got Jabhat al-Nusra, which has an Israeli sponsor and also U.S. sponsor. When I say U.S., I mean CIA. You know, yeah. Uh, they use all they use a network of different companies like Purple Shovel and all these like intermediaries to funnel weapons through the FSA, which was the Free Syrian Army, which was never moderate, as a sort of a conduit to Jabhat al Nusra, al Sham, and ISIS. And there Man, are a bunch of little minor groups, but those are the only three you really need to know. Dude, those names, right. I, I would. A million dollars. If I said, if you can nail all those names, you'll give me a million dollars. I go, it's not happening. It's not happening. <laughs> he gets them perfectly. He nails well, them. Well, he does, he does Japanese names. Those must be yeah. a little hard as yeah. well. So I want to get into yeah. real quick before we get to this. What I want to talk about is uh, then we're going to get into more about Syria because there's a whole bunch of interesting with that. But I wanted to talk about uh, Benghazi. Right. And your thoughts mm -hmm. on what Benghazi really is, because I believe it's not about totally about emails that once again, the media frames it about something. So we focus on that, like the Kavanaugh hearings, you know, they frame well, the dumbest excuse about Benghazi was blaming the whole event on a offensive film on YouTube. Yeah, they actually said that. <laughs> yeah. I, and then we just fell for it. And we're like, yeah, they really hated that. And it was so 9-11. Yeah, it's so stupid. But basically that this um, 
What was the name of the ambassador in Benghazi? Stevens. Uh, ambassador Stevens. Ambassador Stevens. Oh, that's a simple what, name. Was there. And uh, he knew that we were basically uh, training, funding, arming ISIS. And sure. that some believe, some people don't believe, some people do, but believe that uh, Hillary and Obama kind of let him hang so that that was a loose end that would not get out because he knew where the bodies were buried and that he had continuously asked for more security and they never sent it to him. Uh, and that's part of what is a bigger scandal. Another big scandal. Well, there was even a prior assassination attempt, a, a bombing at his hotel. So prior to Benghazi going down, they'd already tried to kill Ambassador Stevens. So for them to act like, ah, oh, we were just responding. Uh, he had been asking for support. They weren't going to give it to him. He needed to die. And they, they even caught a ship going through Lebanon from Libya carrying weapons that ended up in the hands of ISIS, a yeah. whole boatload from Africa. So that was they took a lot of the surplus weapons that Gaddafi had and shipped them over to arm their new proxies in Syria. And, dude, that's that's where we get – that's what it's about. It's also Benghazi's about – you know, they trace where those emails go, and there's one place that they're telling us they can't figure out who it is, but there is a chance it's the Chinese. So at the worst you got is Hillary Clinton was so old and dumb, she let the Chinese hack her thing. But what might have happened is that she fucking sold secrets to the Chinese for straight cash. Mm -hmm. A and lot of the bullets are from China, too. Yeah, I mean, the bullets like, go from China to Romania and Bulgaria, and then they go, they ship them to the U.S. and then ship them back out uh, through Purple Shovel and they and to the FSA and Moderate Rebels, and it's just ISIS. So, I mean, I have a video that goes over that. It's that's free. crazy. Cool. We'll get, we're gonna get in where they can see all your stuff. That's crazy to me, dude. Like, so this, this is the the biggest fuck up in it was. They start arming the Islamic State uh, in eastern Syria, thinking, okay, we're going to grab – got to get Deir Ezzor. They have to stop these highways because this whole thing is about curbing Iranian influence, uh, which helps Hezbollah because this is what Israel wants. And once they get enough guns and money, what they do is pour over the border and take over Mosul and Iraq. So Obama has to do Iraq War Three, where we're going – fucking going back to Iraq – to uh, take out the Sunni insurgency that we just armed and paid. And uh, the Iraqis finally, and they couldn't get it done until Trump was president. Trump finally cuts off the CIA flow of weapons in uh, 2017, July, after meeting with Putin. And almost immediately, like within weeks, they start losing everything. And the Peshmerga gets, that's the Kurdish group too, the Peshmerga get wiped out in Iraq by October, completely, they're ISIS free. Uh, they pour over into Syria. They were like, get out of Iraq. Uh, you're supposed to be in Syria, the vulcanized Syria. Well, they don't like fighting uh, the Russians. So they wanted to, they'd rather fight in Iraq. Assad, under all the pressure, instead of collapsing and negotiating, he turns to Putin, who allies with him, because he doesn't want a Sunni corridor going all the way to Chechnya and having that headache in Russia. He's got his own interests. Don't, he's not altruistic. Make that clear. Uh, so he comes in as the Air Force, and they start slowly winning back territory. And once Trump cut off the funding, a lot of our partners say, well, the U.S. isn't in it. I'm out. So Qatar left. The UAE left. The UAE is more than left. They've already reopened their embassy in Syria. They're totally out of the game. And then the big one was Saudi Arabia with the new crown prince. He saw the writing on the wall 
and decided to cut loose on Syria and focus on Yemen. Now, invading Yemen is equally, you know, immoral, etc. Awful, dude. It's awful. The reason, it's, it's the worst thing we're doing right now. They're starving to death. But the real reason that the media turned on the prince had nothing to do with Yemen. We've been bombing Yemen since 2011. Uh, and this this has been there the whole time. We suddenly care about Yemen. No, we're mad at Saudi Arabia because they left Syria. That's what it is. I mean, you look at anybody that's anti-Syrian war, Tulsi Gabbard, down down the line, they all smear them as toting for Assad. That's which is what so Barry Weiss said on the Joe Rogan show, and she didn't even know what the word meant. <laughs> but yeah, they're all like, oh, you're you're supporting a dictator and barrel bombs and gas and me 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 me. Assad is the only moderate rebels. I mean, they're they're the moderate Muslims. I mean. They took back Dara, they took back homes, they took back Deir Zor, they took back Aleppo, that was huge. And basically ISIS has been squished into Idlib, bordering Turkey. Uh, Turkey still was arming Ar al-Sham because Turkey is now not really fighting Syria in Syria, they're fighting the Kurdish faction in Syria, right? So they had different reasons. Now the U.S. has negotiated with them to say, look, we're going to ensure that there's no Kurdish state. And there really wasn't going to be anyway, because if Turkey's in Afrin, so there's no access to the sea, and then they lost the pipelines because they lost all of Iraq, they're sitting on nothing. They have Raqqa and a few towns, and there's no economic future for them. So they're negotiating, uh, reconciling with the Syrian government to hand back territory peacefully in Rojava, because if they don't, uh, Syria will just give Turkey the green light to come in and starch them. So, which is what they did with Afrin already. There's this little territory slightly west of the Euphrates River called Afrin. It's in the very northwest corner of Syria. Turkey had not invaded because of Syria's strong anti-air defense. And Syria asked the Kurds three times to scat. And they were arrogant enough to say no. And so Syria turned off the AAA. And within like four days, Turkey took over the whole area. I mean, Turkey is a, the second strongest NATO member of NATO. So so let me so. so Turkey and Syria they don't get along. They don't get along, but Turkey hates the Kurds more than anything because the Kurds will actually attack Turkey, and there's a Kurdish faction within Turkey. So the last thing they want is a large Kurdish state on their southern border that they can you know go in, hit, and come back. They don't want that to join up. So they do not want a Kurdish state in Syria. But but Erdogan, you know, that's their, his reason. But he in the beginning was trying to topple Syria. They thought the Islamic State was going to take all the territory. But the Islamic State had a mind of its own. It poured into Iraq, so they had to reverse course and push them out of Iraq. And then uh, where they had been winning all the way up until when Trump got elected and Hillary didn't, uh, then the flow of cash and guns stopped. And so they probably would have taken over Syria if Hillary had gotten elected, but she lost. And Trump said... For a while, he went along with it, and he did the cruise missile strike, and his base attacked him, and then he realized, what are we doing? We don't even know who we're backing. He told the CIA to cut funding. They tried to use, like, UNESCOM and other uh, conduits to finance it. It just wasn't enough. And that, you know, they started gaining victories. And as Assad took Aleppo and freed up more territory, that takes a lot of the troops that run the defense that he can free up and move to other areas. So it was kind of a exponential growth once you once you free up uh damascus now you have troops from damascus that can go out and help you with dara and so on and so on and so they started allowing a retreat zone to idlib to because you don't want to say we're going to kill you all that's a bad strategy because then you're going to lose a lot of your own in doing so if you allow them to leave if you allow retreats then you can actually gain a lot of territory faster with fewer deaths 
you're just going to have a big one at the end. So they he pushed them all into Idlib. The great strategy about that is Al-Nusra and Rahul al-Sham and ISIS and all these subcategories don't get along with each other. They're like uh, rival drug gangs. Yeah. Right? They all sell drugs, yeah. but they'll still you know fight over territory. So they're all up in Idlib trying to control the checkpoints and you <laughs> know uh, exploit the population, etc. And they start uh, fighting with each other. Well, after negotiating with Turkey, Aral al-Sham lost a, a major backer, and Qatar had already pulled out. So what happened is the Jabhat al-Nusra front has taken over mm-hmm. uh, the entire Idlib area, except for a little squishy part of ISIS. So, And those guys are just – you can't really get rid of ISIS. It's an ideology. Any Sunni that grabs a rifle can say, I'm ISIS. You know, But the, the Israeli back front is really the only one left. And that's why you see Israel attacking Syria, attacked Damascus on Christmas Day, and then attacked them twice after that, two days in a row. But it was really ineffectual. Everything got shot down. Um, the only missile that hit was uh, near the Golan Heights area. They hit a border post and killed four Syrians or something. But out of 60 uh, shots fired from the Mediterranean, they couldn't hit anything, even with Popeye, even with Delilah. And the reason they're forced to fire from so far out is because Russia has equipped Syria with S-300s, and that radar stretches all the way out across Lebanon. So if the Israelis were able to get closer and shoot, they would connect. But from that distance, they're not able to do it, which has really exposed them because they're not going to put boots on the ground. How uh, many? And if Israel can't hit from the air, they got nothing. So, like, how many countries have actually attacked Israel? And how many? All the neighbors at some point have. Israel's attacked all of them, too. Yeah. I mean, it's just. It's unbelievable, this whole area. Like, I remember when they went into Lebanon and they got pushed back by Hezbollah. I thought, I'm like, oh. 2006, yeah. I remember, I go, holy fuck. Israel now, got- the death count, Israel killed a lot more people, but it was mostly civilians. They started bombing Beirut, uh, which is a Christian area of Lebanon. That got the mass media to turn on them. And that's when they pulled out. But it was hilarious because in the first three days, they said they'd taken out all of Hezbollah's long-range missile capacity 31 days later, they're still getting hit by missiles from Hezbollah. So, so they don't – They the weakness of the West is they can't get skin on the game. Like, well, they'll do a war like uh, in Bosnia or something where we don't lose anybody or minimal. Uh, America – if American soil is attacked, then Americans will stomach the casualties. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these other states, they realize it's a war of choice. So when Israel – Israel has a stronger military – well, after they lost only 100 soldiers or so, because they have compulsory uh, military service, that's like anybody's kid, right? So the Oyvain in Tel Aviv reached a fever pitch, and, and the people don't want it unless they're a complete bully like they are in Gaza and, and hardly lose anyone or no one. Then they'll do it. But the moment like they, they actually get hit back, they want to quit. I, I, and that's, that's pretty much across the board, France, England, etc. They'll bomb them from afar, but... If they start losing planes and soldiers, the public's like, what are we doing? Because there is real, there's really no reason oh, to dude. be there anyway. If yeah. the media was actually for real and they talked about how many people, how many soldiers are killing themselves a day here, a yes. day from coming back from that shit, we would be out of everywhere quickly. But our media's full of shit. And I do, I believe that this is the same thing for Israel. I get called every word in the book. I've been called anti-Semitic. I, I am not at all. I love it. That's I, just something. That, that's such a canard. You know? Yeah. And I believe that the population of Israel is a lot like the population of the United States in the build-up to the Gulf 
until uh, the Iraq war in this propaganda of fucking hate, hate, hate to demonize a group of people into thinking that they're such scumbags, you don't care what atrocities are being committed against them. And it's just this mental fucking beatdown on the small population. Israel is basically uh, uh, Orange County down to San Diego. And the amount of money <laughs> that we fucking fund into there and the use of that to fucking militarize that, that group of people into fucking being okay with what's going on with fucking Palestine. It's just, mm. it's mental warfare, dude. So when you tell me, and this agrees with what I'm saying. When they find out that a bu- some of their kids have died, they mentally are like, fuck this, they snap back. And that just makes me think that they're just getting pounded by this thing that the Palestinians want all of them dead, blah, blah, blah. And they might want them dead due to what they're doing. But at the end of the day, I think Palestine, in a heartbeat, would take peace and love. You know, we have a... Street- they would take it, they'd take it in a second, but you can't colonize people and ask for peace. You can't simultaneously be have home demolitions and land confiscation and setting people's kids on fire and having snipers shot over 295 just in Gaza killed. That doesn't even include the West Bank last year since March. That's not even a whole year. 295 and thousands have been shot and maimed. They shoot them in the knees, in the balls, and in the eyes on purpose. They've killed journalists. They've killed medics. They've killed infants. They've tear gassed mothers in tents. Every manner of abuse you can imagine the Israelis do to Palestinians. And they wonder why they hate them. Like, probably because you shot their kids, stole their house. Uh, and they allow settlers to just go around on with arson, uh, setting buildings on fire. Nothing happens. Cutting down olive trees. It is a really – it's not it, – they say it's not apartheid. It's democratic, it's democratic apartheid. Oh, well, that makes all the racism okay. And, of course, there's going to be uh, a reaction to that. Like, of course Hamas wants to kill you. Yep. Why wouldn't they? Well, That's I mean, because I, you're colonizing them, because you have a blockade, because you're killing them, like you shoot them from the air. I talk, I've talked to many Palestinians, just like teenagers, 15, 16 years old, just their neighbor was blown to bits, just in a residential area. The Israeli Air Force just came in, takes it out. They're creating terrorists because of their own behavior. And Israel started all of its wars. They preempted uh, the 1967 war. They started the war in 1956. They started the war in 48 by confiscating all the land. And they started uh, the war in 2006 in Lebanon. They invaded. So they, it's not the neighbors didn't all gang up on them. Yeah. They started that. If you don't get along with anybody, it might be you, you know? And it, it's just, it's, it's, it's fucking chaos it's chaos well, i always tell people if you treat people like shit you're gonna get a predictable reaction well how about you this know? man they all I got along a... before that jews have been living in palestine for thousands of years Dude, as a minority there's arab jews man there's arab mm-hmm. jews how about this dude that's Ab- about half of israel's arab jews yeah yeah so dude how about this how about the fact that most of our enemies if we go back and we start looking at what's going on, like controlled opposition, Al-Qaeda, I mean, when we go back, and I know this isn't necessarily what you may believe, but there's a strong argument that Hitler was a Rothschild and that it was controlled shit. So if we go through this history of all the bad guys being on the payroll, what is the possibilities that a fraction, a, a faction... Of Hezbollah, I mean, uh, Hamas is controlled opposition. Where Israel they- created Hamas. Yeah. Israel, that's a fact. Israel created Hamas to undermine the PLO. 
And Hamas, they always say, well, Palestine elected Hamas and Hamas, the Hamas charter, which was changed like two days after it was written. There's all this rhetoric that Zionists give. But, you know, the reason that Palestine elected Hamas is because in 2003 and four, with George Bush's roadmap peace, uh, the Americans pressured Israel to remove its settlements from Gaza. And all they did was relocate them to the West Bank. So they just left this area, went over here and stole some more land from different Palestinians and set up their houses. And as, uh, as having a tantrum to that, Israel went into Gaza and flattened it, bombed their university. There's no reason to do that. Bombed agricultural centers, which is where the food is. Bombed, uh, you know, uh, anything that is processing, cleaning water, sewage, infrastructure. That's what they hit. I, in response to that, Hamas got elected. And I can tell you this, I mean, Hamas is a militant wing and their armed resistance against Israel. But look at the look at the facts. The West Bank is currently being ethnically cleansed and colonized. Gaza isn't because Gaza has a resistance government. The PA, I call them the House Arab. They just roll over and allow Israel to continue to build more settlements and steal more land. And people in Hebron are living in fucking cages. Like they're actually fenced in completely, sealing everything. And Israeli settlers dump their garbage on the fences. It's disgusting. And so you... You need at some point you have to have armed resistance. I mean, you look at any uh, American Indian tribe that still exists. Dude, couldn't agree and more. E- even if they lost the battles, it's the ones that fought that are yep. still here. Yep. I mean, like, dude, how long have we been told that cops killing people, cops killing people, and then this same ass media tells us we should give up our rights to guns? That shit's being done on purpose, dude. Because there will come a day, man, where people, it's either going to be when people realize we're sending our kids in the banker wars, okay? Or when the Chinese start to fucking get crazy. And I know we got to live together, but I mean, we got to work together. We need each other. They're already finding a way to take guns away from us. We can't have fully automatic guns. So we still can't compete. When they come at us, we're going to have semi-automatic. Dude, and there's they're so be many guns loaded. out yeah. there. I'll tell you something to say to leftists when they are going nuts about uh, the guns and all that. Yeah. And I know you have a lot of good arguments already. I'll just give you an extra one. Because uh, a lot of people, if the left used to be concerned about labor, about unions, about rights of workers, now they're all identitarian with ismaholics is what I call them. But the real liberal, not the, you know, Nutter SJW yeah. or something. Whatever that, that is. still cares about labor. It still cares about workers' rights. It still cares about negotiating. That's how we got a, a shorter um, work hours per week, et cetera. They need to look up a little thing called the Battle of Blair Mountain. This is where the term redneck come from, comes from, uh, from the red bandanas that West Virginians coal miners tied around their necks where they fought the U.S. government. Uh, this went on for eight days. They had a huge uh, a war, basically, over Blair Mountain, where the U.S. even used airplanes to bomb us. The only time in history where the armies used the Air Force against the civilian population. What, dude? But it was this and other rebellions where, with people with guns fighting the U.S. government, the police force, and the uh, at that time it was called the uh, what was the the Felton. The Baldwin Felton uh, Detective Agency was kind of like Pinkerton. It was hired spies and spooks to break up labor unions. These They had it so bad, they used to pay them in script. It wasn't even dollars. They paid them in script, and you could only use script at the company store, right? So it's like, oh, I pay you, and you got to recycle your earnings right back to me because I own the company store, and oh I make my you uh, God. mine the coal, child labor, all that. We would not have the labor rights we have today where, no, you can't do that to kids, and no, you can't. You, you can have an eight-hour day, and that came from armed rebellion. Starting with you know, before that, it started in Colorado, really, 
same ordeal, rebelling against the coal companies. This is all set up by the tyrant Lincoln, who was in bed with the railroad and coal. You know, he gave him the state sponsorship, state capitalism. But our armed population, whether they lost the battles or not, was so much of a, a pain and threat because they were armed, especially after World War One, where they had training as well. That's when you get 1921, the Battle of Blair Mountain, the rise of the rednecks, the real rednecks. And when people pick on rednecks, I'm like, hey, rednecks are why you have the labor rights you have. Dude, that's insane. And, and you, I bet you never heard of this. Like, it, they, Ever, don't teach you this in, they don't teach Ever. you the history of labor. Nope. Ever. Dude, I mean, you just maybe blew Howard Dinn or something might write about it, but you're not going to get that in school. You're not going to hear that the Americans got guns, rose up against the corporations, and, and fucking shot them, killed them. Uh, Hatfield was the sheriff in West Virginia. You may hear the Hatfield-McCoy thing, but not know the origin or whatever. But he they he broke up and killed a lot of these um, spooks from the Baldwin-Felton and was a hero. And they, these cowards shot him when he was appearing at court uh, unarmed. And killed him in the courthouse, and that's what kicked this whole thing off. So, oh you ought to my origin. god, that next, it's not a slur. It is people fighting for the workers' rights. That's really and they it. demonized it, huh? They demonized, they demonized it. it. Now rednecks just like a country bumpkin, yeah. uh, cousin fucking racist yeah. or something. That's just not what it was. They demonized it, so everybody, nobody wants to know about. It. That's crazy, mm-hmm. dude. Holy Battle of Blair Mountain. Check that out. And people are probably looking at now the wiki is about you know. 60% correct. Like, get a book if you really want to know what happened. But Dude, we're going to have to have you back on talk about that thing, dude. I, I'm we'll telling talk, you. I can talk about labor movement all day, man. We might That's have to a, have a fucking once a month, Ryan Dawson comes <laughs> in and pops minds like champagne bottles. But we I got a machine gun full of red pills right here. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> dude. So I want to get into... Uh, I know we got five minutes, Aaron. Aaron's <laughs> hating the truth. He just got a call from a it, lizard Syria person. Had population. Probably ISIS never would have gotten off the ground. So, oh, dude. So, so I want to get into this because I, I, the gun argument, I could talk all day. I'm so I'm to, I'm a liberal who is pro gun. I get called a fucking alt right guy because I don't like Hillary and I'm pro gun. Kiss my dick, dude. Everything else, I'm like, you do you. As long as you're not hurting anybody, you do you, man. I don't give a fuck. Well, they, they always point to states that don't have guns and don't have a lot of crime, but are they don't look at the states that don't have guns and do have a lot of crime. I mean, you have to understand the drug war is why a lot of these shootings happen is because of the war on drugs. So the states involved in that chain, you look at Colombia, Venezuela, Brazil, etc., Mexico, where you can outlaw guns and you still have triple to six times the homicide death of the United States. Well, in all those the countries. The United States has had guns for centuries, but we didn't have these mass shootings and stuff till very recently with the introduction of SSRIs and so on. Yes, dude. First school shootings, 1989. We've had guns since, you know, since the beginning. Yeah. Right. We've had automatic weapons like this rebellion I'm just talking about. These guys fought the government with their guns. There weren't any school shootings in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. It starts in 89 uh, with with Prozac and the rest of it. And I really think there's a relationship there that ought to be explored. Yeah, but they'll and never I, do I'll it, say, look, dude. They'll that's never not do causation. It. It's just, it's just uh, correlation. But that's all the arguments they have, too. So I, I think you ought to look into that. Okay. I, I want to. We're going to do that. I have four minutes left until this fucking oppressive <laughs> motherfucker shuts down the truth factory, okay? So real quick, Syria is uh, next to the Balkan Sea, right? So they they find all this oil in Qatar, right? Is that where it is? And they got to get it to the water so they can ship it out. 
Now, it was natural gas in the parse fields shared between Qatar and Iran. And they did, there was going to be the Islamic pipeline that went through Syria to the Mediterranean, which you absolutely have to have a port city for you. The Maritime Silk Road, people should look that up. It's a must. And that pipeline got shut down because of this war. Syria doesn't really have a lot of oil itself, but you got to get through Syria in order to reach the coast uh, with any oil from below. And there's a lot of oil below. And Israel and, so- and Saudis wanted that pipeline because that pipeline would uh, basically make it easier to export to Europe. And that fucks the Russians because the yeah, Russians... Israel- <clears throat> Israel and Turkey did not want the pipeline because currently uh, they'd be competing with the oil that they send to Europe. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought Israel wanted it as part of this. Uh, you know, I mean, Israel. Why, then let me ask why. Not only it? that, they're getting oil and gas from the Caspian Sea from Azerbaijan. It goes to Turkey, and then it goes through the Mediterranean through Israel rather than the Suez Canal in order to go east to China. So Israel profits enormously from being a glorified middleman in the flow of oil uh, from the Caspian to the Chinese. Now they don't have a direct route because guess how you'd have to do that? You'd have to build a pipeline through Iran. So the real threat that Iran is to Israel is Iran has is the access point to get oil to China and, and India and everybody else in the east, which is by far the largest market, is by building pipelines to Iran. So they have to have sanctions and rules against that uh, because that would break up the current monopoly that Turkey and Israel enjoy. Well, they're not going to tell you that. If you look at the map, I got a video it's so much easier. Too. If you look at the map, you can so tell r- about So why is Russia back in Syria? Because I thought Russia didn't want this pipeline either. Oh, there you go. See that? See Azerbaijan? Yeah. It goes straight to Turkey, down the Med, through the Israeli pipeline that, ironically, Iran built for them prior to 1979. <laughs> but then you can see the rest of the Caspian. It's There's Tehran right, right under there. the middle of it, right? Wow. So, right there, and you can I, have, the, I have a video about the pipelines. It's got a half million views. It's I think it's called Why is the U.S. Really in Syria? I had a non-creative title, but <laughs> that'll explain why we went into uh, to Libya as well. So if you watch that video, I'll give it to you, and you can link it in the well, description. Well, that has to do with it's the, real uh, short. It's animated. Somebody else animated. It. It's really good. Um, but you'll see that was a, a major incentive as well. Well, Is, R- Ryan, you are the uh, you're amazing, dude. Uh, you're amazing. Russia, real quickly to answer your question before the ends, Russia does not want that Sunni uh, Wahhabi faction to have a corridor all the way up to Chechnya. Because they have their own internal problems with the Chechen region of Russia, uh, which is full of ex- extremist Muslims, with a mixed mixed motivations of why they're rebelling against the state. But suffice to say, they don't want to lose their only only access to the Mediterranean, the Tartar base, and they don't want a Sunni corridor to reach Chechnya. That's Russia's main motivation. Wow! And I think they're also thinking they want to re- revamp Syria's energy sector post-war. Uh, they'll be the man because they're not going to let it go into the U.S. sphere of influence, right? So it was do or die for Russia. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy, dude. Wow, Ryan Dawson blowing minds, popping minds like champagne bottles. Ryan, what? where can they find you again? Uh, what's your uh, YouTube and your anything Anything you want them to check out? Yeah, ANC Report. That's the anti-neocon report. Okay. ANCReport.com will have it. I got to get some of that caveman coffee. Yeah, uh, I gotta get high energy like you, dude. You're off the wall, man. I want yeah. some of that. I, I don't come, know if they'll ship it to Japan, but <laughs> I'll I try. come out. I go hard in the paint, homeboy. And now I'm gonna go sleep after this. Uh, great show. You're the best, Ryan. We're gonna schedule once a month if you got time. 
Just come here and just drop bombs on us. That redneck shit blew my mind. That shit was dope. That yeah. shit let's, that. let's do a show on that. If you want. Yeah. That's I mean, a, are you looking at that? Did you yeah. start looking at that? On the, yeah. That's the, the next thing. Mountain. We're going to do it next. Colorado. Yeah. All right, and you'll Ryan. see how the government was essentially pressing the rights of labor forcefully, and it's because we had guns that we could stand up to them. Well, dude, that was another great show. Ryan, we'll see you soon. Always stay in touch. You're the best, buddy. And uh, sorry, you know, we were supposed to do your podcast. I just got slammed next week. So anytime you want me to come on, I'd love to do yours too, dude. Yeah, man. We'll do that. You're the best, Bolton, buddy. Let's go. Say hi to everybody <laughs> in Japan. Great show. Aaron. Fuck you. The truth is going to get out. All right, guys. Bye, everybody. (laughs)